Are you ready? Yeah. Are you with it? Yeah. Okay, let's go. You know what to do. The whole world's watching and counting on you. And all you people listening out there, everybody, everywhere, hang on, hang on, hang on. Welcome to Checkered Past, a loving postmodern examination of the Go-Go Check branded comic magazines published by DC Comics between February 1966 and August 1967. I'm Dr. Bob, and each week I'll be your guide on this trippy tour through 535 mid-century masterpieces of graphic noveldom. This week, Strange Adventures number 186, cover date, March 1966, cover price, 12 cents, cover artist, Bernard Bailey, edited by Jack Schiff, featuring Beware the Gorilla Witch, written by Dave Wood, art by Bernard Bailey, and The Man with the Computer Brain, written by Dave Wood, art by Gil Kane, and The Invasion from the Time Warp, written by E. Nelson Bridwell, art by Jack Sparling, brought to you this week by the My Greatest Strange Mystery Tale Adventure Players. Are you ready? Are you with it? Then away we go-go! Strange Mystery Tale Adventure Players proudly present three tales guaranteed to leave you scratching your head in wonder and fascination. Beware the Gorilla Witch, the man with the computer brain, and the invasion from the time warp. Coming now! He was a jungle brute, but through strange circumstances, he acquired human intelligence and an ominous secret. Not only could he make other apes intelligent, but he could transform humans into jungle beasts. So, beware the gorilla witch! A native village in Central Africa, a stranger from the outside world, approaches the chieftain, clutching a photograph in his hand. And a question on his lips. This man, chief, have you seen him? Has he passed this way? Not in our village, but the jungle drums of the next village to the east told of such a person just one moon ago. He visited their witch doctor, Karoo, and went alone into the hills. My thanks, chief. Reed didn't listen to me. I told him not to meddle with that formula he'd written to me about when he called in London. Don't you understand, Bruce? This secret native formula, when brewed and fumes inhaled, will put me in mental contact with all forms of human life. But, Reed, it's untested. There's no telling how it will affect your mind. At least have this concoction checked out, analyzed, before you experiment. It would take months, Bruce, and I'm an impatient man. I'm going into the jungle. Obtain the ingredients of this formula and put it to the test. Wish me luck, buddy boy. So long. You crazy character. I'm hopping a plane right away. Reed? Reed? And here I am, plodding all over this continent, looking for him. I... I hope I can reach him before he pulls off his crazy experiment. But at that very moment, in a cavern 17 miles to the east... The potion I threw into the brew, it's beginning to simmer. 
I must inhale the fumes to fall under its spell. What's that? Ah, a gorilla! And I'm trapped in here! I've got to try and get out! But, as Reed springs forward, it's, it's got me! Can't shake free! My mind! Something's happening to my mind! Must be cracking up! Losing my senses! What's, what's happening? What's happening? words! Like the man I can think! I have intelligence, human intelligence, and he... He has become the animal I was. Grrrr! I have a human mind. Me, a gorilla. <laughs> now I, Taro, will teach the leader of my troop. I will use his human cunning to overcome Coco and take over. Become master of the apes. Grrrr? Remain here, human. Guard this cavern with your life. I shall return. Gah. A gorilla with human intellect bolts from the cavern, swings through the trees until... Coco rages at me because I am defying him. He attempts to frighten me off with his fierceness, but I, Taro, will use my human cunning to defeat him. First, grasp his hand. Then, using body leverage... Jiu-jitsu, it's called. Snap my wrist. Hurl the victim through the air. <laughs> Coco is no longer your leader. I am. You will obey me, gorillas, or die. Gar, Molo, come with me. I'm going to make them inhale the mystic fumes. Then, as intelligent beings, they will be my lieutenants. Taro leads his gorilla companions through the jungle maze back to the cavern, where... The potion! It's evaporated! There are no more fumes from the cauldron. The fool human must have the formula. Spotting the knapsack, Taro swiftly rummages through it. Aha! The formula! But the ingredients, the herbs and roots to concoct it, are apparently obtainable only from the native witch doctor in the nearby village. How? How can I, an ape, get my hands on them without risking my life? Wait. I can assume the human's identity and tell the villagers of this unforeseen transformation. That will give me an excuse to visit the witch doctor and obtain the necessary ingredients to concoct another brew. I'll don the human's spare clothes, eye patch and all, and fool them all. Minutes later, after dismissing his gorilla lieutenants, Once I have the potion, there's no limit to what I can do. I'll transform troops of apes into intelligent soldiers and humans into apes. And then I will establish myself as king, ruler of the world. All, all will be mine to command. <laughs> Shortly. Hey, a gorilla dressed in clothing. Wait, do not panic. I am Reed Upton, 
I passed through this village not long ago, remember? That is true. The eye patch, the clothes. But what has happened to you, friend? The fumes from the potion I brewed brought about this frightening transformation. But the witch doctor has herbs to neutralize the effects. I will go to him. Suddenly, a western photographer who is visiting the village. Incredible! This photo of Reed Upton in his gorilla state will be priceless! Not long afterwards, a jeep roars into the village, and... It's fantastic! Your friend, Reed Upton, has been transformed into a gorilla! See? I took his picture when he came here to visit the witch doctor! Hmm, sure is fantastic! Show me where that witch doctor lives! Minutes later... I've got to hurry! Thank you for everything, Witch Doctor. Now, which way did my friend go after he visited you? The South Trail. Bruce barrels down the wilderness trail until finally... Reed! They told me of your mishap in the village. Are you... all right? I'm Bruce, remember? The human. The same one with Reed in the photograph. He must be his friend. I could kill the fool here and now... But why? Ha-ha! <laughs> I'll take him along with me. Make him a brute gorilla like his friend! <laughs> Bruce, my friend, don't be alarmed by my appearance. Drive me to my cavern laboratory where I will brew a native potion to transform back to my human self. Sure thing, buddy. Let's get moving. The sooner you're normal, the better I'll feel. Shortly. So this is where you've been living? With a pet gorilla? And all you have to do is inhale the fumes from this concoction to become normal again, Reed? That's right, Bruce. <laughs> Within moments, he'll be inhaling fumes, transforming into a gorilla brute. How are you feeling, Bruce? <laughs> Just fine. And you, Reed? My senses can't concentrate. I'm becoming a jungle brute again. Uh-oh. He's caught on. Going for me. Bruce's hand snaps the pistol from his holster, but then... There goes my pistol. And the ball game. I'm no match for that Hulk, bare-fisted... This is it! The end! Suddenly... Reed, it's you, and you're normal, just in time. Right, Bruce, stand clear. But before Reed can fire again... Your first shot must have creased him in the noggin, knocked him cold. Phew, am I glad this sideshow's over. That makes two of us, Bruce. Now, fill me in on the gorilla's act. A picture's worth a thousand words. When the gorilla posed as you in the native village, he wore your eye patch over the wrong eye. Look at this photo a newsman took. I get it. When he looked at the photo from the knapsack, he got the eyes mixed up. But how did you ever swing the transformation of us both? Once I saw the native's photograph, I figured out the situation and asked the witch doctor for the neutralizing antidote of the ingredients the gorilla got from him. The same one you obtained earlier. Then, I managed to pop it into the boiling kettle when the gorilla was mixing his potion. Several days later... 
Reed and Bruce visit an African zoo before leaving for London. Look at him, king of the apes, would-be ruler. Kind of hard to believe, eh, Bruce? Yeah, but I'm sure glad you burned that formula before some other ape could become a gorilla witch. Ha 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 I And now, another installment of Strange But True. In the summer of 1924, a young adventurer named Robert Hurd attempted a feat that has since been accomplished a number of times to cross the Atlantic in a skiff. Literally, hundreds of Britons were on hand to wave him off and wish him good luck, and a few motorboats were there as well to accompany him a mile or so on his way to the American continent. But after several months had passed without sight of him, Hurd was presumed to have sunk in the angry waters of the Atlantic. Several searches were made by friends and relatives, but these two were finally abandoned. After a year or so, the name of Robert Hurd joined the countless thousands of others who had failed in similar daring feats. Then, about six years later, a large cargo ship was passing within sight of a tiny island, so tiny indeed that it even lacked a name. What attracted the skipper was the sight of a curl of smoke on the island. The skipper moved closer to the island and sent some members of his crew to the island. There, they found Robert Hurd, apparently in the best of health but suffering from almost total amnesia. The strange part of this story involves the method Hurd used to survive on this totally barren island. No fruit nuts, or any edible vegetables or grasses grew in the scrubby ground. There was no indication at all that Hurd had done any fishing at all, for nothing resembling a net, spear, or line was found among his effects. How had he kept alive without food or fresh water? Hurd never recovered his memory completely enough to tell, and it remains one of the strangest mysteries of any man's adventures. He had only to concentrate, to focus his mind on a maze of statistics and data to solve the most complex problems, for a strange fate had made Eric Edmund into... The Man with, with the, the Computer Mind. It is the end of another workday at the Haven Research Center, where a seemingly endless stream of information, recorded on magnetic tape, is fed into a giant computer. Must have programmed a mountain of data into that mechanical monster today. My head, I can't shake the buzzing. You're just plain overworked, Eric. You need a rest, a vacation, and I'm going to insist you take it at once. Starting as of now, you're relieved of duty. See you in two weeks, my boy. Have fun and relax. Well, if you put it that way, Professor. He's right. I've got to get away from all this. Maybe the buzzing in my head will stop. But on a windswept mountain road, next day, Eric Edmund finds no relief. The buzzing's even stronger now. All the little bits of data I've programmed into the computer machine are flashing through my brain. What's happened to me? Then, at a turn on the road... We don't have to delay the ceremonies because of the wind, Chief. It's only 32 miles per hour, according to the weather report. And this bridge is safe up to hurricane velocity. Why, they're opening a new bridge. Hmm, looks like a honey. Edmund walks up to the engineer's table. His eyes fall on a set of blueprints, and suddenly... 
testing the data on that set of bridge blueprints. Now, my brain's beginning to make calculations based on information already stored in my memory. Something's wrong. The suspension moorings, they're structurally unsound. They won't sustain wind gusts of exactly 32 miles per hour. And it's just that now. Stop! You must go back! The bridge is going down! What is this? Some crackpot publicity stunt? Get off the bridge before I have you arrested! There's no time to explain. Only seconds left. I have to act on my own. Sorry, but this car has got to be driven off the bridge at once! This man's lost his senses! The suspension cable! It's beginning to tear loose from the foundation! We've still got a chance! Hang on! There goes the cable! And the bridge! But not with us! Phew! That was a real photo finish! As the mighty span plummets into the valley below... We... we owe you our lives, young man. But how did you ever know the fate of that bridge? It's quite a fantastic story, Chief. And I'd rather let you in on it privately. Most people would think I was off my rocker. Shortly, on the road back to the nearby town... Fantastic! From what you said, you're... you're a human computer. Hmm. That gives me an idea, Edmund. Your incredible brain might be a big help to my department in locating our public enemy number one. Just say the word, Chief. The human computer is yours for the asking. At police headquarters, amazed lawmen look on as... John Danvers, height 5 feet 9 inches, born Elmont, high school dropout, 1959, prior to arrest employed as dockhand. Look at him digest Danvers' criminal background. Every bit of info, every little act. But can he calculate where Danvers is hiding out in the city? A short time later, the human computer requests a special police map of the city, and... Statistics indicate Danvers not located in north or western sections of city. Environment doesn't gel with his makeup. This is his logical hideout locale. According to Danvers' profile, he has nautical background, strong liking for Chinese food, and smokes exclusive Ciro cigars. And Lin's Chinese restaurant and Empire Cigar Store are both located in that section of the harbor area. Come on, I'm launching a dragnet at once. Several hours later, we've combed the entire area, and not a sign of Danvers, Edmund. Hmm... Danvers' file indicated he was a loner. It's possible he's hiding out on one of those small boats. Let's have a look. Suddenly, as the police rush down the wharf... It's Danvers, kicking over his motor to take off. Come on, he won't be able to escape our fire. Danvers' modus operandi revealed he's a tricky customer. He ducked under the wharf just as I figured. Hmm... Seconds later, the human computer springs into physical action as the small craft emerges from under the wharf. This scuttles your little escape, pal. Oof! The sensational capture gets wide publicity, and next morning, a celebration for the town's new hero. Mansville prides itself on being a modern, up-to-date little town, Edmund, but you're a marvel nobody can compete with. There's our pigeon, boys. Let's get moving. Later that day, as Edmund relaxes at his vacation lodge, the unexpected. 
What? What is this? A gag? Just do as you're told and you'll keep breathing, brain boy. We want to borrow that mind of yours to plan a robbery. The bewildered Edmund is ordered inside where... Here are a mess of facts on the department store where the Shahzad jewel is on display. Start computing them, Edmund. We want a sure-fire robbery plan. Sh sh sure, but, but I must have a little time. Once again, the human computer whirs into action, digesting the bits of information. Approximate feet to exit, 30. Neighboring counters, shoes, toy, clothing departments. There's a surefire plan, but special tools will be required. Well, get em. Just give with the info, Edmund. Next morning, before the Mansville department store... This plan you computed better work, pal, or you're going down for the long count. Ah, uh, it will. I'm sure of it. Tense minutes later, inside the department store... Here goes the first stage of the robbery, just like you computed. Up soar a bizarre display of balloons, and upon reaching a certain height... So far, so good. The flying weirdo balloons have attracted the attention of the guards, just like you figured. Now it's time for my boys to go into their routine. With rehearsed precision, the criminals follow through on the human computer's robbery plan. And 12 seconds later, it clicked. They got the jewel, and no one the wiser. Oh, brother, you're worth your weight in gold, Edmund. A perfect crime plotter. Suddenly, outside... All right, raise your hands, all of you. Phew, it worked. Sure have you worried there for a minute. Huh? What worked? How'd you double-cross us, Edmund? I simply omitted a piece of data from my computations. The fact that this modern department store has a closed-circuit television protective system. That's right. The entire robbery was monitored on our television screen. <laughs> The furious criminal bolts down the street, but then... You're not going anywhere, mister! Oh! As the dazed Edmund regains his senses... <laughs> the buzzing in my head, it stopped. Yahoo! <laughs> I'm just a normal man again! In a way, that's a shame, sir. The law will miss your unique abilities. Several days later, as Edmund returns to his job at the research center... A most remarkable vacation, Edmund. Or should I refer to you now as the human computer? No, sir, Professor. Any computing done around here will be done by this mechanical baby. And it can have my job. <laughs> and now, another installment of... Henderson, brother and sister, were separated after their parents died. The family house was bequeathed to Lisa, and James decided, at the relatively early age of 21, to leave home and strike out on his own. 
Throughout the next ten years or so, James moved from one city to another until he finally settled in a city on the west coast. There he prospered, married, and began to raise a family. Before this, he had written several letters to his sister without receiving any reply to his letters. A former neighbor was kind enough to write and inform him that his sister had married some years earlier and moved to some other town, exactly where she could not say. More years passed, and James never stopped trying to locate his sister. If only he knew her married name, it would provide a valuable clue. Unfortunately, he never did find out the name of the man she'd married. He even printed up a form letter, which he sent to dozens of married bureaus in the general area where he formerly lived, requesting any information on the whereabouts of his sister, providing them with her single name. This brought no results either. At the age of 50, James despaired of ever seeing his sister again. Then, one day, his wife started a conversation with a woman she met in the local supermarket. The strange woman began to relate the most painful experience of her life, her missing brother. Mrs. Henderson's eyes grew round as saucers with a sudden inspiration. With her heart in her throat, he asked, Your single name wasn't by any chance Lisa Henderson, was it? Now it was the strange woman's chance to look wide-eyed. Why, yes, it is, indeed. How did you know? Mrs. Henderson told her. And then came the final fantastic twist. James's sister had been living diagonally across the street from him for the past 14 years, while he was scouring the rest of the country for her. The difficult we do immediately. The impossible takes a little longer. So goes an old Air Force motto. But three brothers found they had to do the impossible in a very short time. Repairing a strange machine, taming a giant rhinoceros, and breaking a fucking dinosaur in order to stop the invasion from the time warp. It began one morning at the Spring Valley Railroad Depot as three men descended from a train. My sons, how wonderful it is that you could all get away at the same time. Yes, the Morrison boys are all here, Dad. How's the medical practice going? Fine, Hank, fine. But I hardly know which of you I'm proudest of. For instance, you're winning the title of World Champion Cowboy. It's been what I've been aiming for ever since I joined the rodeo circuit about 11 years ago. And you, Dave, you've always had an uncanny way with animals, but I was really thrilled by your lion-taming act on TV. Oh, that act was nothing, Dad. You should see the elephant act I'm working on for next season. You've made quite a name for yourself, too, John, as a physicist. I hear you may be nominated for a Nobel Prize. Who knows? Anyway, I owe my success to Professor Damon, my old teacher who started me on the right track. As Dr. Morrison pointed to a building on a hill above the town, suddenly... He retired a few years ago to devote his time to private research. That's his lab of... Great guns! An explosion! Let's get up there fast! The auto reached the scene only minutes after the blast. Professor Damon's been badly hurt, but un but fortunately, there's no fire. Put the professor in the car. We'll take him to the hospital. Shortly, in a room of the Spring Valley Hospital... Mmm, what's this in his hand? Some clue to the accident? A clue indeed, and also a clue to what was happening even then on the hillside near the lab. Look, what manner of chariots are these, which go without horses? I know not. 
Can this truly be a Roman town? I'll see if the chariots can resist my spear. The spear was thrown and... Ha! Oh, what flimsy wheels these chariots have! And look, that driver flees at our approach! Well done! Yipes! What kind of kooks are these? The band of barbarians made its way cautiously to the town, where... These do not look like Romans, but you know the Latin tongue, Jenrick. Tell them to surrender or die. I... I cannot, Commander. This is not Latin they speak. Then let our actions speak for us. Take hostages and follow me. I smell food cooking in here. More hostages. Mmm, this soup is good. I might be persuaded to spare the cook. Shortly, in Professor Damon's hospital room... They are now holed up in a restaurant at Main and Elm. Police fear to attack these barbarians because of the hostages they hold. What could be behind this? Uh, I, I am. He's awake. The project I was working on was a time warp device. I had it tuned to the Roman frontier in AD 270 when the Vandals attempted an unsuccessful invasion. I hoped to observe it. But the force of the opening warp caused a blast. But this hand control device I took from you was tuned to 29 million BC. It must have been switched accidentally after the explosion. And again when you handled it, Dad. It's now set for 122 million BC. You must go. He's passed out again. He can't tell us any more about the time machine. We've got to get to the lab to turn off the time warp machine, in case it's still working. As they drove up to the wrecked building... Holy hat! The time warp is still open! That's a Balachitherium, the largest land mammal of all time. It's a huge, hornless rhinoceros. It came through from 29 million BC. Look at what it's doing to that tree! How can I get past it to the lab? I'll see what I can do. I can use this branch as a kind of an anchor to prod the beast. It's responding, backing up. Thank heaven. Good work, Dave. I can make it now. Moments later... This has to be the main control switch, but it doesn't shut off the time warp ray. It must have been damaged in the blast. I've got to figure out how to repair a machine I'm unfamiliar with. Meanwhile... That's it. Put your head down. It must sense I'm its friend. Its skin is too thick to be hurt by the prods, but it feels them and responds. Yet it could squash me like an ant with one step. Then, through the great gap in the time-space continuum... Holy catfish! Here comes a Campasaurus, a dinosaur right out of 122 million B.C., and it's heading toward Dave. He doesn't even see it. Well, I'll stop it if I can. Okay, my reptilian pal, I'm coming aboard. I don't, I don't seem too welcome. I never knew the dinosaurs were so rambunctious. I gotta back up. Just hope I can hang on. Breaking a dinosaur isn't easy. At last, I can shut the time warp. But I'll have to open it again to the proper eras to get the vandals and that monster back to their own home grounds. 
Burning outside to tell the good news he found. Leaping creatures? What's this? A dinosaur? Yeah, and to think I consider riding broncs and bulls tough. I'll have this baby in hand, too. And I have an idea for getting those vandals back up here. Care to join me and talk my pal? Okay, soon as I get the remote control device to work the time warp. A short time later at the restaurant. The food is gone. Come, let's find the town leaders and tell them to surrender and we'll kill all the hostages. Commander, look. I fear no man, but how can we fight monsters like these? Free, repent. By George, this critter's as good as a quarter horse when it comes to herding. <laughs> Hit him off, boy. Look, there is the forest we were camped in. We may be able to elude the beast there. Good work, John. You got the right period. Now let's hop off my pal and get him back home. I know it'll be better off in Mongolia in its own time, but it sure would have made a great circus attraction. Now the old fellow's got back to his age in the prehistoric North America. I sure will miss him. Cheer up, boys. Think what it would have cost to feed them. (laughs) By popular demand, the feature you've asked for, a column devoted to previews of coming attractions in the DC line of dynamic creations. Look for direct currents in each issue of DC's Mighty Mags. Coming soon, Hawkman number 13 on sale February 8th. A mythical land locked away from the sight of mankind, out of which emerges a legendary woman on a winged horse, seeking a champion to spirit away as her mate. And Hawkman is helpless when he's chosen in the quest of the immortal queen. Our fighting force is number 99 on sale February 10th. No Mercy in Vietnam is a story no newspaper would dare to print about a soldier no army would dare to claim as its own. In bitter fighting, no one would dare to believe. And The Flash number 160, an 80-page giant. Who are the real kings of super speed? Today's Flash and Kid Flash? Or the original Flash and Johnny Quick of the golden age of comics? Judge for yourself when you read this special super speed issue. That's all for this week. Thanks for joining us for our 25th episode. Is it really our 25th? It really is. Wow. Wow. It's our silver anniversary. (laughs) Don't forget to look us up on social media at GoGoCheckPod. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. Tell your friends. Tell all your friends. Please. And come back next week. What? What? For what? I don't know yet. Well, I'll let you know. You'll be the first to know. Well, we'll continue working on our voices, won't we? That's right. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.